Santiago, he's going to come up and testify. We want to thank you all for uh, joining us this morning. We love you all so much. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Uh, my name is David Santiago. My first time uh, giving my testimony up here. So I'm a little nervous. Please bear with me. Uh, I've been coming to Metro Praise for about a little bit over two years, two and a half years. Uh, was a, born in a Christian home, but uh, everything was, my mom was the one that would take us to church. My father would say, you know, you guys are good, you're going with your mom, uh, she's taking you, and it felt good, it was great, but now that I'm a father and I have my family, I feel like I shouldn't just leave that to my wife. It's something that a man should do as the head of household and be the leader in his house and uh, just bring Jesus to his family. And uh, before I came here, I thought we were good. The relationship with my wife and my kids, it was good, but it isn't like it is now. And the reason why it's better now is because we found Jesus as a family, all of us individually as a family. And we're teaching Jesus to our kids, which is I think the greatest gift a father can give to his kids. Uh, along the way, I, I, they lost a friend. I didn't lose friends. They lost the friends because they didn't want to hear about Jesus. So, but I gained many more friends. So, you know, that's, and, and that fulfills me. Now we feel full and we have everything we need with Jesus as a family and whether it be at our jobs, at our, uh, at our life groups, at King's Kids, we do it all unto Jesus, and with him, you know, we're going to keep going. And the scripture I have today is, uh, Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I in you, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's pray. In Jesus' name, Father, I come and we ask that we have a great service today, Lord. I ask that you bless everyone here today and that you open up their heart and their ears, Lord. That everything that they hear today, from the worship songs all the way to the preaching from Pastor Joe, touches their heart and that they know that it is you and only you that can get us to the glory, Lord. I ask you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Just lift up your hands right now to heaven. Close your eyes. Imagine the throne room of heaven, the throne room of grace. The Bible says we can boldly approach the throne room of grace. <laughs> Come on, just lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I'm coming. I'm boldly approaching the throne room of grace. Hallelujah. You don't have to cower anymore. You don't have to be afraid anymore. The blood of the Lamb has washed away all your sin. The blood of the Lamb has cleansed you clean. The blood of the Lamb says, Come, approach the throne room of grace. Somebody get excited in this place. 
Somebody get excited. Whoa, God. We love you. You did it, Jesus. reception was so much beautiful and what a reflection of what Jesus has done see the Bible calls us the bride of Christ and you know what party we're waiting for we're waiting for that reception up in heaven where Jesus himself is going to serve you you're the guest Jesus is going to serve you whoa he's going to say I love you my bride you're precious to me. You're beautiful to me. See, right now, we can, in our mind's eye, act out and live out that day. 
that day when we'll all be together celebrating the glory of God. Amen? So if you're excited for that day, let's express it with ourselves right now. Express it with your arms, with your hands, with your feet. Whatever moves you, just do it. Father God, I declare that these people are free in Jesus' name. God, and they will celebrate the glory of the coming King, Jesus Maranatha God. And I say because you are good and I think Come on, dance. You are good to me, and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. Come on, I want to see you dancing. And I sing because you are good, and I shout. One more time. And I sing because you are good, and I. Because you are good and I shout because you are good, you are good. Lift up a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh Jesus, we love you. We exalt you. We lift you up, God. Lift up your voice right now in his presence. Come on, church. Jesus is here. Jesus, you're here, God. You're here, Lord. You're here, God. You're here, Lord. You're here, God. You're here, Lord. You are here, Lord. 
grace has saved us nothing of our own nothing of our own come on lift up your hands one more time grace has saved us nothing of our own nothing of our own Father of lights, you made us one. You poured out your love when you poured out your son. Father of lights, you made us one. You poured out your love when you poured out. Father of lights, Father of lights, you made us one. Poured out your love when you poured out your son. Father of lights, you made us one. You poured out your love when you poured out your son. Lift up a shout of place holy ghost here are your people they love you god grace you look like jesus you wear his clothes and we love you who's excited about jesus today who's excited about the king of kings and lord of lords church just lift up your hands lift up your hearts to the king we exalt you Jesus we are a people of grace we are a people of the spirit we're charismatic grace filled hallelujah so if you've been gifted 
right now, if you've been grace-filled, Holy Spirit-filled, to speak in tongues right now. Edify the inner spirit man.
for the next minute just lift up your of the universe worthy is the lamb of God that was slain you are worthy to receive all glory all honor and all praise hallelujah we want more of you King Jesus we want more of you Holy Spirit we want more of you Father God hallelujah we long and thirst for you dear God we long and thirst for you King of Kings Oh, like your word says, in a dry and weary land where there is no water, my lips will glorify you. Our lips will glorify you, King of kings. Come on, give him a shout of praise because he is worthy. Oh, you're worthy. Come on, join with me. Come on, let's pray in the spirit before we close out. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, just lift up your hands with me. Come on and just praise God in your own words. Come on, something's gonna break right now in the spiritual. Ita raba koraba se taraba korianda raba se. Oh na 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 na. Oh, in the presence of God, walls come crumbling down. In the presence of God, demons flee in Jesus' name. In the presence of God, all darkness leaves and light comes. 
In the presence of God, there is life. In the presence of God, there is joy. In the presence of God, there is peace. In the presence of God, there is truth. In the presence of God, life, 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 life comes. Oh, Jesus, this morning we receive all that you have for us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to have full control. We love you, we love you, and we love you, and we desire, dear God, more of you, so have your way. I pray that the word this morning would penetrate the hearts, dear God, of every person here. I pray for new life. I pray for a new season, dear God, and I pray for freedom over your people. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give him some praise one more time. He is good. Amen and amen. Why don't you find your seat right now? Greet your neighbor as you do so. Ooh, God is good. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We're so excited to be here with you this morning. I would like to take this time to just preach the gospel to you real quick. And if your child is in this room, you are more than welcome to go to the back right over there. Rudy is there. He will take them to their Sunday school class. Everybody else, please turn your Bibles with me to Romans 10. I want to share this passage with you. I believe that every single person sitting here today is here for a reason. God is calling you. God is beckoning you. He's drawing you to his presence. If you don't know him already, he wants you to know him. And every time we stand up here on a Sunday morning and preach the gospel to you, it's an opportunity for you to receive. It's an opportunity for you to come and grab a hold of Jesus and the mercy that is extended for you and I. Amen? Let's read this passage. It says in Romans 10:9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? It's not a question. There's no doubt. He says, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Amen? Saved, 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 saved. Saved from what? saved from the wrath of God that is coming to those who don't come under the grace of Jesus Christ. Saved. We need salvation because we have sinned against the holy God. Each and every one of us, we've sinned against him in our hearts, behind closed doors, in darkness. We've deceived ourselves. And as a culture, we're, we're going down this path of deception, but there's grace that is extended for us. And he offers us salvation. He says, this is the world you live in, but you don't have to remain in it. I've made a new way for you. And it's through my son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus saves. Jesus brings salvation. Not you coming to church. Not you doing good works. Jesus. And when you do that, and you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, new life comes. You're saved, you're changed, you're transformed, you're not the same again. You don't see life the same again because Jesus lives inside of you. And your friends look at you and say, I don't know you anymore. I don't know if I want to be with you anymore because you're not the same anymore. And all you want to do is tell them about Jesus and what he did in me, he can do in you. Amen. We come today not because we're reading a fairy tale book. We come today because we believe in the living God. Amen. We believe this world is temporary and there's an eternity at stake. And only he has the way to eternal life. Amen. 
Who wants to be saved? Who wants new life? Who wants to be a disciple in this world that makes disciples? All you got to do is say, I want that life you're talking about, that today you're going to believe in your heart. You're going to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mercy and grace that is extended. Father, we are unworthy of it, but yet you love us so much that you've sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to take our place. He took our punishment, and for that, we are going to be eternally grateful. And Father, I just pray that every heart across this room, if they don't know you as the Lord and Savior today, they will hum humble themselves under your mighty hands, your God, and receive that free gift of salvation. If you don't know Jesus, just repeat after me, dear Lord. I come to you today. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. And I put my faith in what you did on that cross. It's only through you that I have eternal life. Holy Spirit, teach me to live this life the way that you want me to. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. If that was you today and you want to finalize that, if you want to confess it in front of somebody else, we're going to have some prayer workers right up here, and they want to pray with you, and they want to walk this life out with you, amen. Please stand to your feet with me as we're going to get ready to recite our confession of faith. We recite this each and every week. We stand upon these statements. They're, they're based upon the Bible, and this is how we see the world. This is our Christian worldview. So let's recite this together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Please take some time to greet somebody new, somebody that you do not know. If you need some prayer, please come up here. Our prayer workers are here for you. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bit is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on When the world keeps waiting Carry us, carry us With your
be at church this morning. Come on, make some noise. We're so excited to see all your beautiful, lovely faces. Welcome to Metro Praise International. On behalf of all the pastors and leaders, we thank you for choosing MPI to join in with us with, to worship the Lord together. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrasik. I'm one of the apostolic elders, and we're just so excited about what God is doing and just winning the city for Jesus. That is what we want to do. So we welcome you here. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. We want to do that with all of our heart. The two greatest commandments that God gave to us. And we want to put that first in everything that we do. Our discipleship strategy has three steps. It's connect, mentor, and send. Let's say that together. Ready? Connect, mentor, send. The way we want to connect you to MPI is through our life groups. Look at your neighbor. Say life groups. On the back of your handouts, we have a life group schedule for this quarter. We want to encourage you to find a place to belong. There are so many different kinds, different types of life groups to meet your and your family's needs. So find a place to connect with, build lasting friendships in the church. You're not called to walk this journey with the Lord by yourself. We are in a community, we're one big church family, and we want the world to know that we love God and we wanna walk through this with you, you can do it. So we wanna give you a snapshot of what's going on this week starting today. So there's always something going on today. The single moms are meeting. Child care is available. Come on, they're so excited. God is doing awesome things in that ministry. They're meeting today at 5 p.m. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old. That is our Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. You want your children to be here on Wednesdays. Drop them off at 6.30, pick them up at 8. They're going to get their Jesus time, learn how to live for God, learn all the Bible stories. It's a powerful time for our kids. And we have the best leaders on the planet working with them, okay? Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies that happen. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. 7 p.m., 18 years and up. You have got to be there if that is your age group. You don't want to miss out on all the fellowship, the fun, study of God's word. Get connected. And then every week on Saturdays, we have our evangelism. All ages are welcome. They meet here at the church at 5 p.m., and they hit the streets to share their faith about Jesus with others because we are called to win a world for Christ. There are people out there that are dying without a savior and he came to save us all. He died for the sins of the whole world and it's our responsibility to go and let them know. And then Saturday we have the ambassadors, Elevate Life Group, come on, 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at 6 p.m. A lot is going on, find a place to belong and get connected. Then we wanna mentor you, somebody say mentor. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book, which is called Welcome to Your New Life. This is seven chapters. Get plugged into our mentorship. We have loving leaders that will walk through with you. When you graduate 101, you get into our 201 class. This is our leadership training class, disciples that make disciples. And then we want to send you out to keep winning souls. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. Look to your neighbor, say you're coming with us. Look to your other neighbor, say you too. Praise the Lord. Who's excited to learn about tithes and offerings this morning? Come on. We are on section three of the Disciples Giving book, all about stewardship. This is my favorite section. We're on lesson two. Stewards are committed to God. 
We are committed to God. Definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. It's managing everything under our care that is from the Lord. Proverbs 16.3 is what the verse that we will be reading. You can follow along on the screen. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. You want God to establish your plans. You don't want to do it on your own. So we got to commit it to the Lord. Here are the main three main points from that verse. Number one, commit to the Lord. To commit something to God literally means to roll them over to his care. The picture in the Hebrew language is like someone giving their burdens to someone else to carry. Concerning your finances, we should roll them onto God because he is able to care for us. What a load lifter. Look to your neighbor and say, roll them on over. Just roll over your cares, your fi- especially your financial cares, to the Lord. Everything that is entrusted to us, we must manage wisely and commit it to the Lord. Let him be in charge. It is so much easier. Number two, whatever you do, we should commit everything in our life to God, not just salvation. Some people just give God the bad days, but we should entrust God with paydays, bill days and everything in between come on because it's all from him and we are not called to walk alone we do it with him whatever we do whatever we say whatever comes our way we give it to him for his glory and we entrust it into his care and number three he will establish your plans God wants to bless you more than you could ever imagine but he will never do it at the expense of his kingdom therefore ask God to bless your plans for his glory God will not bless your mess Because it will not bring glory to his kingdom. Everything he does is kingdom-minded. It's for heaven. It's for souls. It's for eternity. Let's give God the glory in all that we do, starting with our salvation, with our finances, paydays and bill days, and everything in between. Here's a summary. Roll all your financial plans onto God and let him establish your goals and dreams. Here's the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after the tithes. Number two, entrust all you do financially to God's wisdom and commands. And number three, ask God to establish your financial plans for his kingdom. Let's recite this together over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If that is you this morning, please stand with me to your feet as we prepare to give God our best, our tithes and our offerings. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of your total income, and an offering is anything above that which we designate towards missions and building. And I want to encourage you again, just a reminder, on the envelope, please designate specific amounts, number amounts in each of those categories so we know where the monies should go. And our offering right now, we're in a building offering, a building fund to raise monies for our Metro Praise International lit up sign to go across the building. We thank you for your generosity. Thank you for partnering with us to see God move in Chicago and all throughout the world because we cannot do it alone. God has called each and every one of us to do our part. We made it convenient for you to give through card. We have online giving, and you could also pay in the back. You can see myself or Pastor Griselda before or after service. For that, if you have any questions, let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38. 
Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your generosity to our lives. We thank you that you've entrusted us with so much. We want to be wise and faithful stewards. We want to commit to you, Lord. We roll over our burdens. We roll over our cares, God, of this world, our financial situations, God. And we say, take the tithe, take this offering, let it multiply so that we can see your kingdom come to this earth as it is in heaven. Bless the gift, bless the giver, bless and prosper and favor your people. Let them get jobs and increases and raises. And I pray, Lord God, that we would continue to work and co-labor with you to see your kingdom come to this earth. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. We thank you so much for your generosity. Please come forward as you give this morning. all up in the place. Amen. Welcome, welcome. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm about ready to pimp this place out with some fans. How many believe we should get about four more fans? I got an idea to put a fan over here, a fan over there, a fan everywhere. No, but uh, we're going to get some more fans. Yeah, we're going to attach them to right here. No, we're going to have some fun up in this place, man. Uh, can I get the control on this for me, please? Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians. Thank you. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to keep it brief today because I know we're hot. I'm going to try to keep it brief for the next couple of weeks. My goal is maybe 45 minutes. Is that okay? I normally go an hour. How many would want me to keep it at 45 minutes? Raise your hand. How many would like me to go the full hour and just drop it like it's hot? How many of you all don't care? Okay. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We're talking about grace. Today's message is the power of grace. Everybody say the power of grace. 
Thank you, the power of grace. Those of you who are new, thank you for visiting with us today. We are in the summer of grace, all summer long, studying the grace of God. This is our passage, and we've been learning from it every week, and let us read it today. Matter of fact, let us read it all out loud together. Would that be cool? Let's do it all out loud together, get over our social awkwardness, and read it out on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three, four, it is. You have been saved through faith. Can boast, for we are God's handiwork. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. Grace, that's the word. We are here today learning about grace. This is one of the most pivotal passages in the Bible. It comes from Ephesians, which means the city of Ephesus. The author is Paul. It's in the New Testament. And this book is probably one of the greatest books of grace. I asked you from the beginning of this series to read the whole book, and I hope that you have. I've already listened to it online coming back to the church uh, at least 15 times. The free Bible app you can get for your Android or iPhone, you can listen to the Bible. And a book like this, having only six chapters, literally you can be done listening to it in 10 minutes. So two of your favorite songs or the book of Ephesians. Make a choice this week, right? Make a choice, and you'll see the theme of grace all the way through the end. Matter of fact, please go to uh, the last verse of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. I believe it's verse 23, but just throw it up there, and I'll scroll on down to the uh, last verse. The last verse ends with grace, and I believe also the first verse begins with grace, and everything in between, that being chapter 2, is about grace. So when they get there, Ephesians chapter 6 for me, please. Look at it, and go to the last verse of your Bible. Those of you who have your phones out, your Bible. How many bring your Bible to church? Amen. And if you've got a smartphone, your Bible's already on there. You may not know it, right? Sometimes we can be dumb users with smartphones, right? Smart users have their Bible on smartphones, right? Awesome. Thank you. I got it from here, gentlemen. And, uh, Berto, can you give me my little laser beam pointer thing? I always forget that. Thank you. Look at this. Final greetings. End of the book, verse 24. And what does it say? Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And as a matter of fact, I'll just do it up here, gentlemen. Uh, don't worry. And ladies in the back, I got it. Let's go to the verse, first verse of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. And you will also see grace. And it's in the second verse, rather. There it is. Grace and Peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, the book of Ephesians starts with grace, has grace all in the middle, and ends with grace. How many believe grace is a good thing? Amen. I want you to see what the definition of grace is. Do I have it up here, guys? Uh, enable. Oh, there it is. Thank you. Here's the definition. Now, I've been giving you guys uh, new uh insights to the passage every week. Now today I want to add some new definitions to grace to help you understand the passage. So how many want to get some new insight? Can I get an amen? amen? Thank you. Brother, would you open up my laptop case and I have the other one in there because this one's kind of broke. Can I throw this back to you? Thank you. So let's give it up for Pastor Bertsky making it happen. Hero in yours, and he got jiggy on the dance floor yesterday. Those of you at the wedding, he got jiggy. He was doing his little shuffle. Oh, I loved watching him get down. It was awesome. 
So I want to give you guys some new definitions. By the way, our notes are always online as blogs on the website, mpichurch.org, or thegreatestchurchyou'veeverbeento.org. Just kidding. But let's see if we can buy that. That would be cool. Okay, anyways, all those definitions I've been giving you before, we've been holding on to about the last six weeks. Here's some new heavy revies. You guys ready for this heavy revelations? Look at this heavy revy. Grace is God's undeserved favor. We've been there. We've understood that, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense, right? And then we learned about unmerited favor. We learned then that the unmerited favor is based upon the character of the giver, not the one receiving. God gives grace not because we deserve it, but because he is gracious. He doesn't look at us and say, oh, you guys have so much that I love. No, he loves us because he's so loving. He starts the picture off being love, being grace. We mess it up in the book of Genesis, but he never changes. He's always been love. He's always been grace. Amen? Okay, so you guys understand that, but now watch this. Look at this new insight to grace, because grace is not just an unmerited favor. It's not just God's emotional uh, kindness towards us, and it's not just a gift of salvation, though that's the most important. It is also this. The love, help, and enablement made available through Jesus Christ. Everybody say enablement. Thank you, sir. See, it is not just favor as like God doing something kind for us. It is also him enabling us. See, that's what I want to hit on today. Grace is power. Everybody say power. Somebody say, I got the power. See, that's what I want us to see today is grace is undeserved favor, but it also resu results in help and enablement made, through, made available through Jesus Christ given to believers by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because of God's grace, we can experience mercy, forgiveness. How many have experienced mercy and forgiveness? Amen. That's awesome. And that's where we've been. Literally, last week, throne of grace. Week before that, throne of grace. Week before that, person of grace. Week before that, grace, part two, grace, part one. We've been all up on mercy and forgiveness and what God does. But here's where I want us to go. It's not just mercy and forgiveness. It is power to fulfill God's purposes in our lives. And that is from the fire study Bible. Amen. Fire. I, just, I thought that sounded cool. I had to do it again. But it is a Holy Ghost-filled study Bible put out, I believe, by the Assemblies of God, and that is awesome. And I want you to see here a summarization of what I just said, uh, what the Fire Study Bible just said. God's grace is his divine influence empowering us to live his amazing life. God has an amazing life planned for all of us. Go to John 10, 10, please. An amazing life, an above average kind of life. Now, when I preach this way, a lot of times people like to remind me of the persecuted church or someone here that may be struggling with a loved one with cancer or you may be having a terminal illness. One of our great leaders in this church, Andrew Sienski, his father has cancer. We need to pray for him and the Sienski family. His name is Stephen. We need to pray for Stephen Sienski. Amen. And so when I talk about God giving us a wonderful life, I'm not talking about life without problems. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying today that there won't be people that hate us for being Christians. Uh, Paul and, and, and the, most of the disciples died persecuted lives. I mean, died from persecution. 
But even they understood God had an amazing life for them. Why? Because life is not made amazing based upon what the world does. It's made amazing based upon what God does. And if people mistreat us and we endure it by God's grace, we get heavenly rewards that outlast anything on this earth. So literally, if you persecute me and I endure it, you may make my temporary situation bad, but you're having me store up treasures in heaven, baby. Every word you speak against me and I don't act back against you, I'm getting treasures in heaven. God is blessing me. So really what you're doing to me is only making me better. It's only giving me more of what God wants to give me. You're giving me a time to shine, baby. Amen? So I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better. Amen? And my F word to everybody who hurts me is not the bad one. It's I forgive you. Amen? Because I get a chance to receive the honor of Christ. Because he was persecuted. He was done wrong, and people forget, uh, he forgave them, right? But that's not just what he wants us to understand, though. When, when we're not persecuted, when we're not suffering, when we're not with cancer, the majority of us here are living the kind of life that God says, I can not only bring you through suffering, but I can bring you to some mountaintops. I can prosper you here. I can bless you here. Now, praise God, there's help for the cancer patient. But a lot of us here, we don't got cancer, amen? And even sometimes, let me just say this before I move on, sometimes people suffering with the most terminal illness and diseases, they'll outshine some of us with their work ethic, with their heart, with their attitude, amen? But, but here's my thing. No matter what situation we're in, we got to understand God wants us to achieve the best he has for us. It says the thief comes, John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and what? See, if you ever th- see things getting missing in your life, you ever see joy getting missing in your life, it's not your coworker that's at fault. It's the devil using your coworker. Don't let what people say take your joy because the devil wants to take your joy. And then if you see things dying around you, you see death around you, and I'm not just talking about like bodies dying because that's going to happen to all of us. I'm talking about dreams dying, visions dying, relationships dying. You need to rebuke the devil because he's behind that. And then the devil, he's just not happy with these things. He wants to destroy you. So we got a real enemy. But grace wants to empower us through Jesus Christ to have a full life. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm going to have joy on my job. I'm going to have joy on church on on Sundays. I'm going to have joy in traffic. Amen. I'm not going to let there be a hole in my bucket of life and the world take it away. The world didn't give me this joy and the world can't take it away. I'm going to be full of blessing, prosperity. Let God be in me the way he was in Jesus. Jesus went through all the mess the world could throw at him, but he was full of the glory of God. Hallelujah. We're full of God's glory. Amen. Amen. You might make a mess, but God's going to turn it into a message. You might have a test, but God's going to turn it into a testimony. That's what he came to do. He came to demonstrate on this earth that he's bigger and badder than the devil. And let me just say another one-liner because y'all get excited. Come on, help me preach. Some of you will look at the level of glory right now and they'll hate on you because they don't know your story. You see, a lot of us, we've been in this for 20 years. You look at my marriage right now and you're like, oh, you know, you just came in and and you're trying to fix your marriage. Listen to me. I was single for 10 years before I even got saved, baby. Then my wife been working on it for 10 years. That's 20 years serving Jesus. You can't get upset at the glory until you know my story, what I've been through. Amen. Y'all want to hate because somebody get a new car. You don't know where they came from. They might have been homeless. They might have been busted and disgusted. God might have just took them out and then brought them through a whole nother level. You haven't seen it all. 
So we need to celebrate, not hate, when we see people get blessed. If they live in a full life, then you just, just say, God, thank you. I thank God for New Life Covenant and what they got. I thank God for Bill Winston Living Word. You know why? Because I know if God did it for them, he's going to do it for Metro Praise. Amen. We're going to fill up stadiums. God's going to do it with us. I'm not hating on my coworker. So what? He sold more cars than you last week. Get busy for Jesus. Amen. Ask the Lord to favor you. It ain't over yet. Some, I got another one coming. I'm just preaching. Some of you have been set back, but you need to see your setback as a comeback. Amen. Sometimes you got to take a couple steps back. I'm just having fun. Sometimes you got to take a couple steps back to understand what you don't want to do. If you kept walking on that path and, you know, see, failure helps us understand what not to do. It helps us realign ourselves. So a lot of times we get set back and then we want to give up. No, our setback is our comeback. It helps us redirect our lives. God is using those things. Woo, come on, somebody say grace. Somebody say power. Amen. Thank you. Go back to the notes here with me. I want us to see that God has divine influence. Divine influence through grace. In each of our lives. So I just want to hit some of the major categories before I go through the seven aspects of the power of God's grace. I want to show what I think this will look like. Let me start with fathers. And Nancy, make sure I don't forget because sometimes I'll just go on from something. Okay, I want to talk about fathers, mothers, husbands. Yeah, no, fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, and single. Then I want to talk about young people. Amen. Just write down, what is that, six categories? I want to talk just so I can show you what it looks like, okay? When God enables a father to have power through grace, what this looks like is that father is able to be the kind of man to his children that God wants him to be. Now, most of us men, we would look at the image that God would want us to be to our children, and that would intimidate us. And most would say, I don't think I can ever do that. But grace says Jesus is in you, and Jesus is giving you his empowerment to do what a good father does. So, Father, sometimes we lose our tempers. Jesus says, I have a way for you not to lose your temper, and it's called grace. And what that may look like is you being patient with your wife and kids. What that may look like is you confessing that you are weak in your moment and then asking them to give you a space. Sometimes when I come home, I have to say, honey, before we do all this, I need to do this. I need to rest. I need to clear my mind. And a wife, if you hear that from your husband, see that as a good thing because he's confessing his weakness to you. So husbands, we shouldn't try to, uh, fathers rather, we shouldn't try to pretend like we got it all together and then explode and then make re excuses for our lack of good patience and temperament. We should confess our weakness, be engaged and see what Christ has for us, uh, not losing our temper being able to endure without complaining. A lot of men, they want to go to the bar, have a beer, and complain. Complaining, criticizing, and comparing will never change where you're at. Complaining, criticizing, and uh, comparing will never change where you're at, gentlemen. But I'll tell you what will. God's grace will. Now can I talk to mothers? Mothers, what God's grace will look like. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a single mom, whether you're a mom that's working and your kids are going to school, wherever you're at, what grace will look like is you waking up in the morning, mothers, seeing yourself in the mirror, saying, God is going to use me today 
to impart good things to my children. And when you find yourself getting to your last straw, which I know my wife has a way of expressing it, uh, getting on my last nerve. Is that how you say it, baby? (laughs) I can't take it today. My wife has these little codes for the kids. And I'm like, y'all better back up right now. Y'all better just back up. When she says, I can't take it today, y'all just better back up. Go outside. It's snowing outside. It doesn't matter. You just make your way outside. Trust me, just go. Just go right now. Stand behind daddy. And I mean, and literally, because, you know, every mother has to go through these times because God is wanting mothers to learn patience and trust and all of these things. And it doesn't always come easy. But mothers, what that power will look like, what that grace will look like is you taking a deep breath holding your composure because they're watching you. Because if you don't want them to yell at each other, then don't yell at them. You you get what I'm saying? If you don't want them to lose, you know, if you have multiple kids, if you don't want them to lose their temper with each other, breaking off all quick, then you shouldn't break off all quick on them. There should be discipline, but it's restrained. That's that's what I think it looks like. Now, now going to husbands and wives, because I know we have people here that aren't married, what, what a husband looks like when he's empowered by grace is he looks like a sacrificial man. See, love and sacrifice are, are, un, are inseparable. You, you can't take them away from each other. If Jesus said he loved us, but he never sacrificed for us, love would have no meaning. Love is really defined in sacrifice. You see, we're all happy when we're doing what we want. That, that's not sacrifice, and that's truly not love. If you and I always get along because it's payday and you have money, then we're not really friends because every day is not payday, and every day you don't have money, and every day you don't look as nice as you look on Sunday. That's why we got to be real in our lives at church, right? I mean, we don't want to be, like, so real, like we scare people, like, oh, you scary. you scary. You should just keep that to yourself. Well, somebody said keep it real. Well, I, I think you need real help. Okay, you need real help. And then you come back with another version of real. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but in, in all seriousness, husbands, it looks like grace empowering you in life. It looks like sacrifice. One of the reasons why I've been opening the door for my wife ever since we've been married is because it teaches me I can't go ahead of her. I just can't get out the car and go, let's go. It always teaches me I have to go get her. Now, still, like when we're walking, I'm like, sometimes like this. So maybe I should start holding hands, right, when we walk, because that will teach me that lesson even more. See, God speaking to me. That's what grace looks like, God speaking to you. Grace, see, grace is that for me. And then, you know, when I'm going somewhere, opening up the door, it tells me I'm not entering in until she does. That's what it looks like in a small way. In, in big ways, it looks like when she's tired, giving her space to sleep at night and, and not trying to keep her up because I'm a night person. Grace may look like me saying, let's go out to dinner instead of you cooking. Grace may look like, hey, let me get your mother-in-law to watch the kids so you can have a day off. That may be grace. Some of y'all liked it. I'm laughing at myself, but y'all didn't laugh, but that's okay. I watch my own kids, okay? I do. But I really love it when my mother-in-law's does because then I can hang out with Nancy because then it's like, anyways, we'll just move right along. I'm sweating up here. It's really hot. Okay. So grace really looks like us sacrificing, doesn't it, husbands? And I went back into the father's thing, but it looks like sacrifice. Wives, what does it look like? It looks like you understanding your husband. 
when sometimes he may not want you to try to give him all that information and you understanding that maybe now I don't need to tell him about the 10 things that happened in my life. I already got men nodding their heads. You see, women, when we come home and we ask you how was your day, we're not ready for the 20 things that happened. We just want the long story short version. Like, how was your day? It was good. Okay, then we'll talk about it later, honey, okay? Because... Good is where I want to be right now. Just, you know, like, like men, like men, we, we think of like just like good, bad, and crazy or something. So if it was crazy, just tell me we'll talk about bad, okay, and good. You know, just tell me what category you're in, and we'll get to the details later. And, and what I love about my wife, because she shows me so much grace, she's learned one of my favorite phrases, and this is also for me as a pastor. One of my favorite phrases is, Long story short. So, you know, if you're talking to me and you're talking to me and you see me like, you know, zone out, just just put in there, long story short, and I'll like, I'll come back up and give you my attention. I'll be like, okay, we're getting to the closing now. I'm ready for this. Cool. All right, so what we, what's it about? Okay, I got that. And, you know, and so wives, it's understanding not, not you need to be heard, but sometimes knowing when to be heard. When, when, when to bring up the garbage, right? When to bring up those things that need to be done around the house. That's what it looks like. Let me just talk to singles. Uh, singles, some of you may be ready to mingle. Some of you may not, okay? But the, what grace will look like in your life is, is holiness. It, it, and, and holiness is not just a big capital H, like holiness. You know, I want you to think of young, uh, let me talk singles because we have older singles as well. We'll talk to young people in a minute. When I'm spelling holiness, I'm spelling it W-H-O-L-E-N-S-S. I'm talking wholeness. Wholeness is Holiness. When you put the W before the H, you still have holiness, but you with, with you could have like holiness or a version of it without wholeness. So wholeness encapsulates holiness. Are you with me? See, singles, whether you're older or not, it, it, it doesn't matter. God wants you to be whole, and he wants you to be holy. He wants you to be holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, H-O-L-Y, holy, holy. You guys get it? So singles, and I know sometimes we have divorcees that come here. Some of you have come from real tough backgrounds. Some of you, you know, it's just, it's just hard, and, and I get it, and I try to get it, I should say. I try to get it, and I get the frustration you're saying to me. That's what I get because I'm hearing your words. But hear what, what God is saying to you. Grace will look like you being content. Grace will look like you still making the right decisions and doing things on your own, even though you don't have the support of somebody else. Can I get an Amen. And the last thing as an introduction, everybody say, it's just the introduction. Because here's the message right here. That's the message. I'll just have it up there, okay? This is, because I'm just trying to give you guys a personal applications. Is this helping anybody? Because I don't want you to just to walk out if you're going, well, I just heard scriptures again about grace, and that's cool, but, you know, I don't know how it applies. I wanted it to be a, a, applied. So we've talked about fathers. We've talked about mothers. We've talked about husbands. We've talked about wives. We've talked about singles. Now I just want to talk to all young people. That would be 18 years and younger. 18 years and younger. This is what God wants you to hear. This is what, what I think grace looks like. So let me say it like that. I think grace looks like for young people, what I think it looks like is submission. Submission. Grace looks like submission. Submitting to your parents. Submitting to your teachers. Now, let me pause here because we live in a wicked world. I am not saying submit to evil. Does everybody get that? If you have a 
anybody in your life that hurts you, touches you, abuses you, and then uses submission as a, as, as a tactic and secrecy, please hear my heart. They're lying to you, and there's good people in this church that will help you, okay? I just want to say that because we just live in a wicked world. I felt a check in my heart because I hear these stories all the time, and they break my heart. Uh, but this is what I think it looks like nine times out of ten whenever that wickedness is not involved. It looks like submission, even some of you have parents that are not Christians, but uh, you know what, young people? You cleaning your room, you going to school, you choosing the right friends would be the greatest testimony of Christ they'll ever see. It's not just you write, uh, you know, bringing your Bible and going to church. That's not necessarily going to click into them. They might have thought you just joined a cult, they, you know, whatever. That's not going to click into them like, oh, you're so different now. But you start listening to your parents. You start obeying your parents. You see, and God is enabling you to do that. God is putting that in your heart. God will let you know when you haven't listened to your parents. And I always give young people this example, but, you know, I was a high school dropout. And I got in a lot of trouble. And I was arrested eight times before I was an adult. And I am telling you, you don't want to go down that road. But the long story short is I didn't know how to respond my parents. So when I moved back in when I was 18, I didn't know what a curfew was. I had forgot. I mean, I didn't even pay attention to it, right? Because I was just a bad kid. So one day I had a girl in my house at 2 in the morning in my parents' house, and she was doing my homework for me because I was just newly saved. Everybody say newly saved. So in my mind, there was nothing wrong with that. She wanted to hang out. She kind of liked me. I said, hey, do you feel like doing my homework for me? She said, sure. So I said, why don't you come to my house, do my homework. I'll kind of interact, and you just type out my paper, you know. And, and, I, and, and, and really, like, I was doing a lot of the talking, and she was writing it out, so it wasn't, like, totally cheating. At least that's what I tell myself, unless I need to repent again. Help me, Jesus. But then my mom, she, you know, it's like typical mom thing, you know, like comes out of bed like curlers in her hair like a robe on. Like, you know, like just like waking up and she's walking into my room and she's like, what are you doing? What, what are you, why is she in here? You know, my mom was a Christian woman. She's like, why is there a woman in my, in your bedroom, in my house at two in the morning? And why, and why is she sitting at your computer like she's your administrator? And I'm like walking around like making deep philosophical thoughts and she's just like, like what is going on in here? Well, you see, you see, grace in a young person's life looks like submission. After I went away to Bible college and I came back, my mom said one of the greatest signs that I had been changed is that I went and cleaned the dishes after dinner without her having to ask me to clean the dishes. You see, that's what it looks like. Your, your generation wants you to see, uh, you know, being free and being wild as a positive thing. All the, And see, we're not really like an old, old church. I'm glad we have some people coming around that can be grandparents to our young people here. And, but listen to me. You have a lot of young adults here, young people. Come on, you can trust us. We're not so far out the game that you can't trust us. I mean, you can listen to, listen to us when we tell you this. We wish we would have listened better. We wish we would have submitted more. I wish I wouldn't have dropped out of high school. I wish I would have listened to my parents. Okay, everybody say submission. Amen. You guys ready for the message? Okay, let's go through seven aspects of the power of God's grace. Number one, power for eternal life. Go to Romans 5, 17. That's what I think it looks like in a summary form. If you want more applications, join the discipleship one-on-one -on -one or go to the Walkers or Goiveas life groups on Friday nights. That's where they apply so much more personally into your life. Now I want to give you these seven aspects. We're going to look at the Bible and see how grace gives us power in these real important areas of our lives. Now the first one 
of salvation. Now, I could have just stuck with Ephesians 2, but I wanted to show you another scripture, okay? So Ephesians 2 says, by grace you have been saved, amen? So we know grace saves us through the power of Jesus Christ, but I want you to see it in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. When you're there, can you say, I'm there? Okay, because I want you guys to use your Bibles today. I really do, and highlight them. And, you know, even these Bible apps, you can highlight stuff. It's so cool. Look at verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of what? Of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Everybody say this, reign in life. That's what salvation is supposed to look like, us reigning in life, not being pimp-slapped and knocked down by the devil. The devil's supposed to see us and get scared and run. Whenever Jesus showed up, like sometimes we get like, what, you know, people watch these horror movies, and it's like, ah, you know, the scary thing happens, the head turns, or you know, whatever, and then people run away. Look at the opposite of that. When Jesus came to town, demons, ah, screamed and ran away. That should be in your life. The devil should know you're reigning here. You have authority here because you walk in Jesus' name. You're not afraid of the devil. The devil is afraid of those who walk in the power of God. It doesn't mean that he won't attack us. It just means when we say Jesus, we stay on the word of God. He has to flee. What else does reigning in life mean? Well, reigning in life means that you have the mind of an overcomer. You don't have stinking thinking. Your mind has been transformed to the mind of Christ. How does Christ think about that situation? How does Christ view the problem you're facing right now? Worry, as Jesus taught us, won't change anything. We could all worry right now about our height, and I know there's some people here that may be like that, and uh, I'm not going to pick on you all small folks, but we love you. You could call me the big Shrek because I know I sometimes mess with you guys. But anyways, because I felt like Shrek when I was big and overweight, I was like, Shrek, here I am. But I was lovable, right? Even as I was big, I was lovable. Anywho, when you think about it, the Bible says short people can't make themselves taller. And whatever your hair color is, you can't change it by worrying. That was the example Jesus gave us, okay? So if you don't think that's cool, take it up with him. But those were his two examples. Can any of you, by worrying, make yourself grow? No, by worrying, can any of you change your hair color? So how much more less can we accomplish by worrying when someone in our family faces a life-threatening disease or cancer? Or I mean, it will accomplish nothing. All we'll do is work ourselves up and be inactive. Have you ever seen the movies where something crazy is happening and then, you know, like they're like about ready to go to war and the bullets start flying the one dude's like freaking out? Ah! And then what does the other dude do? Slap him. Stop it. Stop it. You're not helping. You know what I'm saying? I just think that's funny because I want to do that sometimes to some of you guys, but that's another thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, Pastor, it's, it's all falling apart. All this. Are you a man of God or not? You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't, I'm not even going to do the illustration with a woman because it will get taken out of context. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Don't you just feel like that? You just, you just want to stop people. Or, or here's the better one. Here's the better one. You ever see like it's just like where it's like, you ever see people do that and then they put your hand right there? You know? It's like that's what I want to do to my, my armanas here. You know, you come all worried and everything's going so crazy. Tito, Tito. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus is here. <laughs> no, but listen, we need to understand God has called us to reign in life. We're called more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. 
We're, we're, we're not the defeated. We're the victorious. We're not the tail. We're the head. And so what does grace look like in salvation? It looks like us reigning in righteousness, overcoming our sins, overcoming our bad habits, overcoming the scary things of our life because God is with us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number two, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 9. It is power to strengthen our heart. And if I could have added this, and I will for the second service, to strengthen our heart when we face condemnation. What is condemnation? Condemnation is when we judge ourselves guilty, when we judge ourselves unworthy, when we say that we should be unloved by God, but yet God says, you are worthy of my love. God says, I do place great value on you. And see, the devil will use condemnation, but oftentimes it's from our own lives. It's from our own lives. Please put that up there, Hebrews 9, uh, 13, verse 9. When you look at the Garden of Eden... When they sinned, it was man that realized his nakedness. And it was then man that ran and hid from God. And God asked him, who told you you were naked? Who told you you needed to run and hide other words? Who told you this? And the answer was, no one but myself. No one but myself. And then if you look at the very next story of Cain and Abel, God comes to Cain because Abel brought an offering that was acceptable to God. Cain did not. And then Cain now is jealous and wanting to kill his brother. And God comes to Cain and he said, why are you so downcast? Don't you know that if you do the right thing, I'll approve of you as well. See, God has favorites, but everyone can be it because he favors those who are obedient to him. Are you with me? So he said to Cain, if you do what Abel did, you will be blessed. And then he gave him this warning. He said, sin is crouching at your door. See, that jealousy wasn't a little sin demon crouching at the door of his heart trying to get in. The illustration Jesus is giving us uh, there in that picture, uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is that your own thoughts can become your greatest enemies, drawing you away towards sin. That's why your mind must be renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. Amen? And so here is a scripture in Hebrews 13, 9, where these Hebrew believers, it's in the book of Hebrews because they were Jewish believers who followed the laws of Moses that were commanded to them by God. These were legitimate things, you know, don't eat pork, don't eat shellfish. How many are glad those are gone? Amen. We love lechon. We love some crawfish, shrimp, lobster, all that good stuff, right? And, and all of these laws were for a season and for a reason. But God moves into the new covenant, the covenant of Christ, and Christ gives us his laws. But some of these guys, some of these people, men, women, but, you know, in, in the generic sense, guys, they started going back to their religious ways even after accepting Christ, and, and they were doing it because they just didn't feel right unless they did. They just didn't feel right. Maybe like some of you coming to church at Metro Praise for the first time and you saw people wearing shorts, and, and it just didn't feel right. Just didn't feel right, you know? And it, it, it wasn't God, but it was a feeling that you had, right? Or, or maybe some of you, for the first time, you know, when you became a Christian and somebody wanted to hug you, it just didn't feel right, you know? Especially dudes, like, I don't hug another dude. It didn't feel right. So you were like, I'm not going to hug you. And so what you might have begun to do, some of us might have begun to make rules in our lives that God did not tell us to do. 
They could have been old rules of the Bible, like in the Old Testament, not to get tattoos. And now say, I don't want, some people say, now I don't ever want to get a tattoo. But you see, the Old Testament said that these were for a time until Christ, Ezekiel 33, would make a new covenant. So if we're holding to the no tattoo rule, then we should also hold to the don't shave your sideburns rule, right? Now let me just make a quick little caveat here because a lot of people then want to say, well, homosexuality is in those rules, and that is not true. Homosexuality is in a set of moral codes along with not having sex with animals and not having sex with your relatives. How many believe those are everlasting moral codes? codes. So there are moral codes of the Jewish people that continue on through both covenants, but the ceremonial codes are fulfilled in Christ. And there is a clear distinction. Thou shalt not murder is still good in the New Testament. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt only have sex with a man and woman in marriage. That's still God's moral code, okay? So going back, some of you might have made codes in your life that God did not put on you. So when I first got saved, I got off of drugs, and I started drinking caffeine, and caffeine would make me feel all jumpy and speedy. And you could probably just imagine just right now, even if I drank caffeine, you know. I mean, I don't really need it, right? I could probably just take an IV, and they could extract some stuff from my blood and sell it or something, you know, because I am always like this. It's so serious. When I was doing my doctoral class this past week, and thank you guys for praying, we went to the hot wing place, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, and uh, all the students were there, and I was coming to sit down, and, and this, it was so nice. It was a compliment. He goes, hey, guys, let's just get our wings plain and let Joe bring all that Holy Spirit hot sauce on this because he's always fired up. You know, I thought that was really cool because he understood a difference, amen? He understood the difference, and that's why I say doing religion without the Holy Spirit is like trying to ride a dead horse. I'm not on a dead horse, baby. I'm in an F-22 with Jesus, amen, power of the Holy Spirit. But anyways, when I first got saved, it was like, no, I don't want to drink caffeine. Caffeine doesn't mix well with me. So I made a rule not to drink caffeine. If I ever make that rule something that, that I feel I have to push on to you, that's a problem. And then if I ever feel that God can't change that rule, because I do feel it's personal, but if I ever feel like God can't say, have some coffee with your wife, then now I am a slave to that rule and no longer serving Christ in righteousness. Are you with me? And, and those are the kinds of things that can happen in Christians' lives, you know. Maybe God told you not to kiss while you were dating, right? Maybe that was your mom or dad that told you you should submit, amen. But some of us adults, you know, like, like Jerry and Tony in this church, God told them not to kiss. They, they, they kissed the first time at, their, uh, at the wedding ceremony that I did. I tried to kiss Nancy on our first date, okay. So, see, that can be, you see, there's rules that we make but aren't for everybody. And sometimes we can become a slave to our own rules. Everybody with me? And, and it's like, you know, these things become problems. Well, you know what grace does? Grace sets us free from rules that others try to give us that's not in the Bible and the rules we place on ourselves. Everybody go freedom. And that's what these guys were doing. Look what, what, look what the author says. Do not be carried away by all kind of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. You see, even in this context, people were saying, hey, you better keep Passover. And that's kind of popularizing a little bit now. There's a church on Fullerton. It's a mainly Latino church that says it's all about the Sabbath keeping. And there's Seventh-day Adventist churches. I was talking to a friend, and they, they keep the Old Testament law. There's a, an African-American group that use the Hebrew name of Jesus, Yahshua. And somebody showed me their flyer, and I actually debated them on the south side. And, and it's kind of sneaking in. And, and, there's, and now that I've mentioned kind of like the groups, there's a Latino group, there's a black group. There's a 
white group even, believe it or not. The Worldwide Church of God, the Worldwide Church of God, if you've ever seen, he's on TV, and, he, and a lot, one of my guys in the gym, he was getting his books for free, didn't even know. But they're legalists, legalists. And what they do is they draw you in with this appearance of righteousness. Hey, did, did, didn't God tell, tell us to keep the Sabbath and it was a memorial unto him forever? Didn't he tell us to always do Passover and to eat the Passover lamb? And then you, you know, they're going back to the Old Testament, and it can become convincing. And if you haven't heard it, praise God. I'm glad you haven't heard those kind of lies. But these people were buying into it. But look at what he says. He says, don't be carried away by these strange teachings. It does nothing to eat those ceremonial foods. No benefit to you. The only thing that counts here is a heart strengthened by grace. A heart strengthened by grace. See, God will strengthen your heart to live for him, even if sometimes you feel that you should be doing more religious stuff. There's a difference between God leading you by his spirit and you doing religious stuff. God has to be at the center of what you do. Can I hear an amen? Let's look at the next one. Number three, power to operate in God's gifts. How many believe God has given us gifts and talents? Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. You know, I look at all of these talented people in our world. In our uh, class I was just in, we, we studied business leaders. I wish I would have studied more about Jesus, honestly. But I studied business leaders and CEOs and Apple, of course. And, you know, one of the best CEOs was Steve Jobs. And one of the things that you learn about a lot of CEOs, whether it's the CEO of Target, we studied about him, and uh, the CEO of JCPenney's or the CEO of whatever, is you know what happens when good companies accomplish amazing results? It's when they have everybody around them talented doing their gifts as well. It's never one person by themselves. That, that was the whole secret of success of all these people. Like, like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs did not create everything that was awesome in Apple. Steve Jobs worked with awesome people. He worked with a guy named Waz who created the computer. He worked with another guy, the British guy, who I always forget his name. Everybody knows the British guy's name. What's his name? Johnny something, yeah, and he's like on all of their commercials, and he's always that cool guy introducing the new things. Well, what, it, what the church is, is the same thing. The church is not the pastor. The church is the body of Christ all functioning in their gifts and talents. And the family, it's not just the mom or the dad. It's everybody operating in their gifts and talents. And so how much more so that we need to rely upon God's grace? We need to rely upon that to have the best kind of operation in our talents possible. Now, I know sometimes there's a little kickback here. Somebody may say, well, you know, you just use Steve Jobs as an example. Same thing with Bill Gates and same thing with uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. They all had great gifts. They've utilized great people, and they did it all without God. Boom. There's evidence we don't need God's grace to operate in gifts. But here's the problem. You see, there's a distinguishment between whether or not God was pleased and success. A lot of times we think because somebody was successful, that means God was pleased. So if God is pleased with you, you'll make more money and you'll be successful. That's not always true. My dad was an awesome Christian while his business was going under, and then he had to start another business. Sometimes things fail while you're living godly. And so let us not confuse godliness with success. They are oftentimes together and should be together. But just because Apple and these companies were successful in using their gifts doesn't mean they pleased God. Because God's definition of 
success is not just getting the ball up the hill or accomplishing the task. He's God's number one concern is, did you take glory for yourself or did you give it back to me? So if these men accomplishing these great goals did not give glory back to God, then they committed high treason against God and they are idolaters, lovers of themselves, lovers of their own gifts. Now think of it this way. Imagine you have $100 just laying next to you right now. I come and take your $100, go get change at Walgreens, and give $20 to five people here. I just was successful with five people. They love me. They think I just did an amazing job, didn't I? But I stole from someone to do it. Bill Gates, Donald Trump, all of them, they're stealing their resources from God and taking the credit for it. That will change your life if you get that. Because that's success. Using your gifting with God's grace is acknowledging it's not about me, it's about God. And then number two, it's about the people I work with. And people like Steve Jobs and a lot of these CEOs burn through their people. They burn through them and they have jealousy and they have greed and there's all these fightings and it doesn't last long. And some of the stories of Apple ends with them, you know, fighting and was quitting. And you see, because without God, you can't finish well either. You may have temporary success, but you won't finish well. Let's look at the scriptures. Everybody ready? Say, I'm ready. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? Serve others. You see, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 tells us the secret of success. It's loving God and others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Would you do me a favor and just write down three of God's gifts in your life right now? Three of God's talents in your life. By writing it down, what you are doing is you are cognitively interacting with yourself to remember this after the message is over. It has a purpose. Please write it down. Look at it when you have it in front of you. Write them down clearly like God has gifted me to be a people person. God has gifted me to be able to manage. God has gifted me to be loyal. Write them down. Now as you've written them down or at least beginning to write them down, look at them and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Use me, Lord, to do good things for you. This is what our society needs. This is what our culture needs. It needs successful, grace-filled people, doesn't it? I see business owners in here today. God wants you to be successful at that business. Don't be disappointed if you face hardships, but understand that success will come if you don't quit. Keep working at it. You know that in our class I learned that entrepreneurs fail four times before they get the thing going. Isn't that something? It's remarkable what we have to do in this world to find success. But Christians, when you find success, do it with grace. Amen. How many of you here, and you don't have to raise your hands because it's not here to put people down, but how many of you here, honestly, in your heart, would say, Trump is an awesome man and I really look up to him. I really look up to him. You see, because he is a man divorced of godly character. You see, he has all that success, but he is divorced of godly character, especially among a mixed congregation like this. We all took offense at his babbling idiocy, didn't we? Whether you were Latino or not, it's just idiotic, those of us who live in a multicultural world, to speak like he does in the 21st century. It was never acceptable, but it's just even more idiotic in our time because you should know better. But my point is, you see his building. You have to look up to it if you wanted to read the sign, and there's Trump. 
And in his world, in his mind, he could say, well, ha, 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 here I am. I've made it. You haven't. I don't care what you say. I don't care what NBC does. I don't care who boycotts what I have because I'm still a billionaire. See, does he win in God's mind, in God's economy? Does he win? So now as you're looking at your gifts and talents, see a modern-day example of a rich fool and ask yourself, would I trade? Would I trade God's grace and his calling on my life for riches? Because that's what you would become. Maybe not in that same way, but that's the rich young ruler. That's that one that Jesus runs into. Look at all my talents. Look at all my gifts. Look at how awesome I am. And God says, yeah, but you still lack something. You're greedy and you have no room in your heart for me. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And right there and then, we see the rich man who was a good moral man to everybody around him. We see him exposed for who he is on the, on the inside. He's a lover of self. And whether it's in our media, our reality, television addiction, or music, people have become lovers of selves. And that's not why God gave us our gifts, not to have a reality TV show, not to talk about ourselves all the time, but to be a servant to others and stewards of God's grace. Amen. We made it to point three, and I gave you my word. Would you stand up as uh, the band comes? Would you give God a hand clap of praise as you do? Come on, let's bless him. Let's do a part two next week because I got four more and I don't want to run through them fast. Is that all right? It's a summer of grace. Can I get some grace on this? Amen. I love it. I just love it. I've been so encouraged by what God is doing. You know, first just studying it and I've been blessed. And then I'm encouraged by what I see God doing in the lives of people here. You know, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that it's a summer of grace because during this summer, I've been able to fellowship so often. And as I'm getting to go out and, and hang out with everyone in this church and trying to, you know, get out as much as I can, I'm just amazed at the stories of grace and what God is doing. Just summarizing what we have here. I've been, I've been seeing people come to Jesus who were really on the outside for a long time, a long time. And they're coming to Jesus now. And they're not doing it because they're afraid of hell. They're doing it because they know Jesus loves them. Some of you have been coming up to me going, you know what, Pastor? I've been looking for a church that would be relevant, non-religious, and encourage me to live for God. And that speaks to point number two because a lot of us are at that point. We, we want the real. We, we just want real. We just want where it's at. You know, if God told us to cut our hair a certain way and dress a certain way, I mean, if that's what God was into, I mean, we'd all do it, right? Wouldn't we all do it joyfully? We would do it. We would have fun. We would have fun. But when it's, when it's not in the Bible and the people are making us feel like we have to do it, that's, that's you know, this generation, we just don't want that. It's like, come on, stop pretending. Stop pretending. And then that last thing, operating in God's gifts, I hope somebody got something out of that today. That whatever good you have, you have it because God gave it. Use it to serve others. And I believe, because I still believe the Bible works, I do think you're going to be successful. Amen? Altar workers, would you come? Let's just pray in closing. Father, I thank you for today's message that gives us an insight to the power of grace. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Lord, help us to concentrate on you right now. 
and see if there's anything in our lives that's not lining up to your grace. Uh, first and foremost, Lord, if there's anyone here that's not saved, I pray that they'll be honest with themselves and know that's really where they're at. But I also pray that they'll accept you today. Uh, Lord, as we're thinking about you, I pray, Lord, that we'll look at if there's anything in our life that's become legalistic, a hang-up, that really doesn't have a benefit, and yet we're scared to not do it or do it because we're, we're being religious. Maybe some are coming from a different, like, Catholic background, and maybe they're afraid that if they don't baptize their children, something's going to happen to them because their parents were superstitious about stuff like that. Lord, I pray that they get free from those man-made rules, man-made superstitions, man-made ideas that benefit no one. They're just strange, and they're not applicable today. And then lastly, Lord, I pray that we'll look at our heart and see these gifts and talents and be grateful and serve and be a good steward so that when you see us on Judgment Day, you'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. With every head bowed and eyes closed, which one of those three areas is affecting you? Or is there something in every area? Would you just pray privately right now? Asking the Lord to apply His grace to give you power to do what He's asked you to do, to live the abundant life. Just as the band sings softly, would you pray for the next 30 seconds for grace to be applied in your life? Jesus. moments then we'll worship together but if you can just take some moments in contemplative prayer that means reflecting upon your life and concentrating to hear God's voice and apply grace ask God to apply grace to your life a few more moments I stop at the cross I can Let's sing this out. When I look at the cross, we all need grace. And it comes through the cross of Jesus. There is so much for all of us in every area of our life. When I stop at the cross, when I see the cross, I can see. I can see. Love, 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 love. One more time. Would you sing it out today? When I look, when I look at the blood, we can make it with Jesus. There is power in His grace today. Love, love, oh, He loves you. He loves me. I stop at the Sing it one more time. Would you lift up your voices? I don't see my mistakes. I don't see what I did wrong. I see love. I see the love of God. Help us, Jesus. 
see our sins any longer, to not see our weaknesses, to not see our religious made-up teachings, but to see your love, to see your grace. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs a prayer partner, needs someone to agree with them in grace, I pray they'll come up in confidence today to our altar workers to receive prayer, to go to your throne boldly, to find the help they need. Bless us as we leave this place now, our families, our jobs, and all that we do in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Will you bless it one more time?